According to Newzu, by the end of 2019, the global gaming market was estimated to be worth $152 billion, with 45% of that coming directly from mobile games. With over 3 billion smartphones in the world and this number ever growing, it looks as if mobile gaming has a long way to run. So what is it that is fueling people's interest in mobile gaming, and what does it mean for how we connect with one another? We talk with Peter Wormsley, Chief People Officer at GSN Games, about our fascination with gaming, what it tells us about ourselves, and what it looks like in a world being forced to pull back on physical interaction. From the team at Helix, I'm Tim Mullen. This is the science of us. A podcast about who we are, how we behave, and why. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Helix. www.helix.com At Helix, we help you understand your people, track progress, and stay connected. Check out the website to learn more. So, Peter Wormsley, welcome to The Science of Us. Thank you very much, Tim. Uh, great to be here and uh, looking forward to your questions. No, likewise. Thank you for joining us. And um, can I start with maybe asking, who is Peter Wormsley? Yeah, I think a lot of people have been trying to ask that question for many years, actually. <laughs> uh, but, um, so, I'm Peter Wormsley. I'm the Chief People Officer for GSN Games. I'm based in Boston. But as you can probably tell from my accent, I'm not from Boston. I'm originally from London and uh, have lived in the US for around about seven years with my wife and three dogs. We've actually traveled... A long way to get here. We originally lived in London for many years and then I got relocated to Paris uh, with, with Fidelity, then, then to Madrid with Fidelity, Geneva with Electronic Arts, then San Francisco with Electronic Arts and now Boston with GSN. So we've had a, a great uh, run of uh, going through those, those lovely cities and I would say really what am I about? I've been involved in HR for all my career and the thing I love about it is just helping people, helping organizations lead through change. And, and that's really how I see my role in whatever shape or form that is for a company, helping them through that process of change is, is what, what gets me out of bed in the morning, I would say. That's awesome. And I suppose skill set that is very much required right now as we, we go through sort of an un unprecedented change, which uh, we can come back to at the end because I think obviously a lot, yes. of a lot of people talk about it uh, uh, probably way too much at the moment, but if we can get into uh, if we get into a question looking at your your background. So, mm -hmm. effectively, now you're at GSN Games. What intrigued you to enter the world of gaming? Um, and I guess you've sort of talked about a little bit about the background of the previous roles, yeah. but but what intrigued you to get into the world of gaming to start with? You know, being honest, I was based in Madrid, working for Fidelity and looking for a new role at that time. I didn't really know much about uh, the games business. Uh, you know, uh, Electronic Arts had contacted me for a role. They wanted me to be based in Switzerland, have a regional role from an HR perspective. And I, and I guess what intrigued me really was the people and it's the connectivity there. The, the role was the role and, and the industry. I thought, well, I've worked in many and with the skill set I've got, I think I was able to convince everyone that I could 
apply those skills to electronic art. So it wasn't so much gaming as more of the role, but as the, obviously as I got into EA, uh, started to understand more about the games industry because I, I genuinely knew very little about it prior to going in. So it was a, probably a slight risk, uh, but a good risk, I would say, looking back. So yeah, that's a great thing that you've obviously then enjoyed doing it. And what was, I guess if you look at, you've mentioned Fidelity and then some of the other companies that you were with, um, I guess coming to the games industry, how did that really, if you could sum it up, how did it differ from where you'd worked before? Oh, I mean, if you think about, I've worked for American Express uh, and regional global roles, worked for Fidelity and a number of, of their different operating companies. And both those environments, very buttoned up, very structured, clearly defined roles and responsibilities. And you know where you're at and you have some freedom of movement about you know, how to go about your role. <laughs> Joining it, Electronic Arts was like going back into the Wild West. I, I have to be honest with you. It was... <laughs> It was driven by personality at the time, a lot of ego. It was the entertainment business and, um, and people were as good as their game, the game that they just built. And where there were a, th- uh, a hundred processes, there were probably around a thousand to a million exceptions. So the whole thing was wow. run on, on exceptions. And I'll be honest with you, I, I, the first few months, I thought, what have I done? Why, why have I done this? Why have I left that structured <laughs> environment, this sort of chaotic, uh, you know, people-driven, ego-driven uh, world? But and I had to sort of give myself a good shaking up one day and said, I just need to get over myself, you know, and yeah. forget, forget <laughs> everything I know and just start again with a blank sheet of paper and think, okay, it's about relationships. Do what you do well. Go and talk to people, understand their perspective. Uh, and you know, here you had people who are creative, push the boundaries, innovative, and you know, had a completely different mindset for how they approach their work compared to the stru- some of the structured environments that I work in. So trying to navigate a path through a di- completely different environment, actually I came to really enjoy it and really love it actually but uh, I'd be very honest to say I had to get over myself based on my my history and my past of the organizations that I that I work for. Fair enough that's fascinating and why do you why do you think and I guess from your observations being there why do people get into gaming in the first place probably probably both from a you know employee standpoint of why people join those companies but also from what you've observed why why there's so many gamers out there? Why do people get into the first place? Yeah, well, I, th- I think why do people uh, want to get it? But based on what I could see, that you know, if you think about it, if you have a passion in life, how, how often do we ever get the chance to follow through on that passion? Whether it's in our you, in our in our working life or our private life, you tend to find that people follow their passions a lot more in their private life. But here, I think within games, you've got an opportunity to really follow a passion. And many, many people join the games business because of that. They're working on their passion and they get paid for it. And they love the environment uh, on that. And, you know, I, and I also think that once you're in the games business, it's constantly evolving. When I look back at the Electronic Arts back in 2010, a lot of it was around uh, packaged goods distributed through retail. And you look yep. at the digital transfer, trans- transformation over the last few years, completely changed. And the whole way games are pr- um, built and constructed these days has changed. So it's a very dynamic, really evolving uh, business. And, I, and I, you get a lot of people who are really excited about being at the, at the 
vanguard, if you like, of that of that change. I also tend to find that you think that, that there are plenty of people in the games uh, business who are there simply to make the best game ever. You know, and one of the challenges I think in any games business is that, that that sort of dirty word of are they commercially viable versus actually, you know, what it's the best game in the world, and it's sometimes it's that that conflict between the two that impacts organisations. Um, and I just think the fun, creativity, innovation—those are all great reasons why people people join. And uh, my father was horrified actually when I uh, joined the games business because I told him that I, I no longer wore a suit to work and I was casual. He said, I just cannot believe a son of mine would go to work and not wear jeans. But it's interesting, the whole environment, the whole context is completely different. And it's one that appeals to, to people as well. And, and I th uh, that's fascinating from that, that employee standpoint. Obviously, gaming itself has been so... I guess so transformational in terms of society when you look more broadly. Um, one question I would have is that many of the games out there you see right now, Fortnite, you know, a lot of these other ones, they, they attract millions and millions of users. Uh, that you know, they've got their rivals as well, Player Unknown, etc. The list sort of goes on. Aside from the gaming experience that these people have, is there something else that you think attracts people to play um, all these games and to spend hours and hours online? Well, uh, you know. <laughs> Well, you look at the world that we live in uh, these days, I, I think there are a number of reasons. I think things that come to mind for me, often it's an escape for people, you know, uh, escape from their day-to-day -day reality. And they, you know, if they have a degree of competence at playing the game, it gives them a chance to shine at something that they might not previously have shined. Uh, uh, shone at, sorry, get my words right. Um, I think there's the whole social connectivity as well. You know, people are having that social element to it. They love it. The fact that they can come home or, or wherever, uh, join their friends and play a game. Um, but you also see other uh, games when you, you think back to Farmville and things like that. It's the ability to create something and it's unique and, and you've got a sense of achievement as you've, you've built something as well. Uh, you know, so I think that all those are a lot of the reasons why people will uh, go, uh, play games as well. And it's another form of entertainment. You know, I think the digitalization of games has made it much easier for people to play, uh, to play in their front rooms, play for hours uh, and to be connected in a way that they previously weren't. And I think I could probably echo that as well. I mean, I'm I'm a, a little bit of a game. I, I wouldn't say I sort of spend a lot of time doing it, but from my friend and I, I think that it's one of those things that I do genuinely enjoy because it's not just the playing together. It's actually that we're like, you know, we're on the headset, we're talking to each other. It's a very social yeah. event as well, which is, is interesting to see sort of where we are right now that I think there's obviously so many applications um, for that as well. So I guess, if we, yeah, sorry, you go. No, I was going to say, in that, it's interesting that if you look at the World Health Organization, literally in the last week, was advocating that people on a global basis play video games, which was contrary to their previous advice, is that they could be in some way damaging to your health if you play really? too long. Now, in the current context of us all staying at home, they're saying, actually, what better way to have that social connectivity without actually physically being alongside people is to play games so it's uh, it's interesting to see the adaption of uh circumstance and how that's changed it is so many of these things that uh in this in this brave new world Mo yes. mo moving to mobile gaming because that's where you where you are at the moment um yeah. 
Now, mobile gaming itself has exploded probably ever since the smartphone uh, was released. So how did you find yourself moving from, I guess, electronic arts, which was very broad in terms of all the stuff we've talked about with all the different games, et cetera, they offer. How did you then find yourself at GSN Games doing something that was, was still obviously in gaming, but was a little bit different? Yeah, I think part and parcel uh, of that was a great career opportunity to be the uh, the chief people officer for uh, for uh, GSN Games, and uh, knowing that they had the backing at that time, part backing of Sony and AT and T, and and now 100% owned by Sony, you know, it was looking at it and say, look, this is another big player uh, in the in the industry, but actually it's a niche in terms of social and casual games. And I thought, what better opportunity for me to move into that head of HR, a chief people officer role and help shape an organization that was very profitable, which is relatively rare in the games industry, um, and actually ensure that it's um, maintaining and, and growing. So for me, it was it ticked all of those boxes of still in gaming, dynamic, well-funded, opportunity to shape and drive change and, and to have some fun in a different part of the games business as well. And what was the... That's why. What was the difference like between the people? So you sort of said when you joined EA, it was, you know, the sort of the Wild West and having to do that adjustment. What's it been like then from being within the games industry and moving from EA to GSN? How has it differed in terms of the type of people that you now deal with? What's that dynamic like? Well, what, is, what was interesting was that in the five, six years I was at EA, EA became a lot more structured, changed its strategy to focus on less games, but bigger franchises versus having 60, 70 games on its portfolio. So in many ways became a lot more structured, much more coordinated, less less variation, if you like. And then joining GSN was like going back to what EA was like of all things to all people all of the time at that particular moment in time. And, and what was interesting um, is then and now, there's a lot of people who used to work at EA uh, who are now at, uh, at GSN, a lot of people who went from EA to Zynga, who then Zynga to GSN. So it's interesting that people have seen gone through two or three of the key game companies and brought their experience and knowledge to bear uh, within the mobile world and, and within GSN. So I would say people-wise, uh, being able to attract some great talent who've had that, like me, have had that experience in multiple games companies along the way. Um, but clearly, uh, one of our, one of our you know, um, great things compared to EA, which clearly you know, on the console side, long development times. In the mobile business, it's pretty quick uh, uh, to get your game up and running. So the the pace of the organization is significantly faster, in my view. And decisions can be made just like that to go and make some tweak or change that will actually then drive the player experience as well as the revenue contribution. So you mentioned uh, the behavior behind all of this. Why do you think it is that people are so interested in playing games on mobile devices? Why is it we obviously spend so much time, I'm addicted to my mobile phone, my wife tells me I spend way too much time on it, which I admit. Uh, Why do you think that people get into then gaming on their phone? Yeah, this this is clearly a confessional because my wife says exactly the same to me. So <laughs> we'll we'll start a self help group, I think, as a result. But if you think about it, I think it, it mobile phone fits into our world. You know, you're sitting on a you're sitting on a train, uh, you're sitting on a bus, etc. Or you have got ten minutes before a meeting. It's very easy to just 
pick that phone up, play your game for 10 minutes and you can pick it up, put it down, leave it, go back to your device or go back to your iPad or go back to your PC at any time. And I think what people like is just the bite-sized chunks that enable you to play when you've got the moment to play. Completely different to your example of being playing with your friend on a console game where, you know, you need a good, you know, good block of time to actually make it happen and so i i actually see it as a you know either a major form of relaxation or distraction whichever whether you like it and you know for a lot of our players uh who play our casual games um you know quite often it might be the last thing they do before they go to bed as a form of relaxation is play on um bingo or or casino or or, or puzzle games for half an hour before they go to sleep there. And I just think it's the accessibility that really appeals to people. And, I, and I, like you, I've, I've been on trains and I've watched. There's no conversations. Everyone is deeply buried in their phone. They're either playing a game, answering, video, um, uh, answering emails or watching a video. But predominantly it's games. And I think that's it's such an important point about the, I guess, the distraction and the wind down, because I, I think what a lot of people also talk about is this short termism. You know, as a society, we are very much, you know, we want bite sized things. We don't want to read the full article. We just want instantaneous gratification. But I think that the other side to that is that the fact is people do need a wind down mechanism. You know, yeah. very regularly when I'll play my other game um, with my mate on online, it is done so that I can actually wind down from the day that was because right you know particularly right now when you are in an environment where you're working many people are working from home now across the world uh, you generally will transition while I'm finding that I'm doing this which can be dangerous where you you go you from maybe on the couch just for a, a quick show you know while you eat dinner or whatever it might be then you're back at your laptop because it's just over there and you continue to work and then all of a sudden it's 11 30 and then you just go straight to bed and there's there's no transition in between which can be so so dangerous and i think that what you're saying there even if it is that ability just to log on straight away and then just to start getting that uh that sense of almost mind relief where it can just yeah it's escapism back to what we were talking about earlier it's it's a level of escapism away from the reality that you're you're trying to deal with or or from the guilt of i should actually be answering my emails when actually what i am going to do is i'm going to you know unwind in this way on that and, and totally. Totally, yeah, I totally totally agree with you actually yeah. and what have you observed uh, in the way that people behave between so we've we talked about a little bit between sort of mobile and console are there any other key I guess key things that you've noticed between the difference obviously one is that short term and one is the long term is there anything else that's differed between the two that you've noticed yourself that stood out um, I just think it, I, you hinted at it yourself, actually. I just think it's around the average play time. If you think about how long you spend on a console game with your, your mate, detox, uh, you know, detoxing, re- relaxing, socializing, um, it's going to be significantly longer than that bite-sized chunk that, of time that you might have on your mobile. You know, my boss told me about his daughter the other day uh, who started playing uh, a well-known game at, at nine o'clock in the evening and didn't finish till four o'clock in the morning and uh, was cheering when she had finished and worked the whole house up. And I, and I thought, OK, that's a perfect illustration of, you know, they are more time consuming. I think you can get sucked into it, you know, if you're having multiple, multiple players and you've got the social element and time just evaporates. Whereas I think you're far more in control on a mobile phone game where you're trying to make it work in those 10 minutes you've got or those five minutes there. 
Whereas I think on the console games at times, you just lose all sense of reality about time uh, and the impact of time. I totally, yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, now moving to, we, we've alluded to it a little bit throughout the show and, and I, I, I sort of promised myself I wouldn't spend too much time on it because I know that what people say, but but right now we are in the middle of, of obviously COVID-19. Um, it's forcing people inside. We talked a little bit about before the fact that um, the WHO has even changed their recommendations um, to things, uh, but we are obviously spending more time on our devices. From, from an industry standpoint, I guess you're right at the forefront of being able to witness any changes that you're seeing um, with yeah. behavior. Is there anything you can talk to us about from what like, GSN is seeing, what your industry peers are seeing, I guess any, any key trend lines that we could talk about? Yeah, I mean, obviously we're monitoring on a, on a, on a day by day, day basis and, it, and it's clear that as people are spending more time at home, then we have seen um, the amount of time people are spending on, on our games and the revenue that comes as a result of that, that has increased. You know, and, and I, I think if you looked at the TV business as well, that would be equally so as people are looking at how do they spend their time. So I think that's, that's one trend and, and I think it that would probably be consistent across most industries. The other thing that I think is important that what we're trying to do and a lot of games companies are doing is actually build into our games, which we can do very quickly within uh, the social uh, casual games, is a, a charitable uh, element to it so that we can quickly raise money and then give that to a charity of the company's choice that's li directly linked to helping people um, for example, one of the things we've been thinking about is distributing food to people in all the lo locations where we operate. Well, if we can do that through the game, through raising money through the game, that's something that players want to be involved in as well as our employees as, as well. And, and you generally see pretty good take up from the players who want to get involved with that? Definitely. Very definitely. Very definitely. Um, and, I, and I alluded it to earlier as well, the, the, you know, the World Health Organization saying, actually, this is a good time to be playing a video game. So it's, it's nice to get that sort of endorsement from a, a global organization to say, actually, this probably does make sense in this context. So you, a lot of the language I've seen with other, other, um, other providers is about, yeah, player time increasing perhaps revenue uh, increasing and companies being cushioned from some of the effects you've seen on other industries. Uh, and as a result, people thinking about how do we uh, build in opportunities for uh, charitable uh, contributions as a result, but actually playing a part in, keep, in keeping people socially connected. Uh, that's fantastic. People have talked about the fact that this whole crisis could fundamentally change the way we operate in the future. I think that there's a very real likelihood of that, uh, particularly when it comes to socialising. Everything else, do you see? Do you see probably a, an even more positive future for gaming? Then, in that sense, that it's it's a way to bring people together, and people are probably going to be more like with remote work, where people are saying remote work is most likely going to become something that a lot more companies realise. Oh, hey, I can actually do this, and it's actually quite quite good for us. Do you, do you see a, a any similarities in in the gaming industry? Well, I, th I think so. I think we're, we're all going to learn, as you said, a, a lot over the last few weeks and the next uh, few weeks and few months. And I think personal view is it's going to take some time before we all feel confident and relaxed about going back to doing things the way that we used to. And there will be adjustments. And I do believe that the whole social connectivity through gaming will be there for quite some time. Now, will it sustain over time as society relaxes or unfolds or goes off in a new direction? I don't know, but I think this is a moment for 
uh, gaming companies to really think about how they can ensure that they are really are player first and really thinking about what's going on within society and then match the games to the, the needs of the player. So I, I definitely see it happening. And I also agree with you that remote working is going to happen more and more. And uh, people are going to look for different ways to decompress uh, after that. I think that's a brilliant way to, to wrap up the conversation. I think some very interesting thoughts and, and uh, considerations for people as we continue to go through this and see what, what happens on the other side. But, but Peter Wormsley, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for joining us on The Science of Us. I've uh, very much enjoyed our conversation. Well, so did I, Tim. Thank you very much. And above all else, uh, stay well and stay safe. Likewise to you. And thanks a lot. Cheers now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Science of Us. If you'd like to learn more about Peter Wormsley or GSN Games, check out the show notes. And if you'd like to leave us a review on Apple or Spotify if you enjoyed what you heard, we'd really, really appreciate it. This podcast is brought to you by Helix, www.helix.com, where we help you understand your people, track progress, and stay connected, all using neuroscience. For now, we'll see you on the next episode of The Science of Us.